and I stopped and I asked him to promise me that he was going to take care of the kids. And he looked really confused. I peed on myself. We walked through the door. Stay fly, stay fly. You're listening to The Fly Guy Show. They do everything on the fly and in such a fly manner. Stay fly, stay fly, stay fly. Stay fly. All that party. And coming up to the stage right now, we want to celebrate. We're going to bring forward one of our first special guests. She has a book out. The book is called The Woman Behind the Mask. Ladies and gentlemen, let's give it up for our first guest of honor, Ms. Tamika Gordon. So can you tell me a little bit about what happened to you? Sure. I was 27 years old, a wife, a mother. I actually just had my youngest daughter 10 days prior. Um, and for those of you know, my Facebook and Instagram friends, no, we just celebrated my youngest daughter's 16th birthday. So this incident was 16 years ago. Um, as a wife, a mom, a business owner, I own a bakery at the time, I, I would never have thought in a million years that I could possibly have a stroke, let alone two. And so I had always been migraines. I woke up one morning, 10 days after having Sequoia, with the worst pain of my life. I felt like an elephant was sitting on my head. But it never connected. I never even thought, this could be a stroke. You know, I should get checked out because this headache is unbearable. It's the worst I've ever experienced. This could be a stroke. In my mind, I never even connected my, my having this type of headache my vision diminishing, so my field of sight was here normally, and as the day progressed, it got smaller and smaller. I never thought this could be a stroke. That never crossed my mind, because in my mind, the face of stroke didn't look like me at 27. The face of stroke looked like my grandmother, and her friends, and my great grandparents, and I couldn't possibly have a stroke at 27, because at 27, you know, you're a rock star, right? Nothing like that would ever happen to a 27 year old. So I didn't even go to the doctor thinking that something that drastic was wrong with me. God spared me for an entire day. But that entire day from the time my husband went to work to the time he came home from work, I had been having a bleed on the right side of my brain. And when he came home from work and said, Is this the same headache you had this morning? And I said, Yeah. He said, let's go. And the last thing I remember before walking through the emergency room doors of Norfolk General Hospital was having this overwhelming feeling like intuition. You know how us women get, we just feel things that have no, you know, validity or proof to substantiate it. We just feel it. I had this feeling that I was never going to see my kids again. And I stopped and I asked him to promise me that he was going to take care of the kids. And he looked really confused. I peed on myself. We walked through the doors. I remember nothing after that for three days. So for three days of my life, I don't know anything because it is a complete blank to me. But when I did wake up, the entire left side of my body was paralyzed at 27. But she's like, oh yeah, that was good. <laughs> 
that you may be with your family like after this happens? Sure. So my family and I have made a complete change. I'm talking about we do everything different from how I was raised, how I had been accustomed to living my life. But we didn't make that change because I had a choice. A few days after I woke up in ICU in Norfolk General, I had a second stroke in front of all of my brain. And at that point, I just thought, baby guys just had me hang on, you know, for a few days. This is, what is this that I'm going to keep on having, you know, these setbacks? Um, but I remember doctors, neurosurgeons, neurologists all telling me, you know, you're never going to be able to walk again. Your life is going to be drastically different. You're going to need assistance for the rest of your life. And all these massive things I just refused to accept. It was like, the devil is a liar. Like, it doesn't matter how many degrees you have on the wall. I just know what my God is capable of. And it doesn't matter what, you know, how many patients you've had that has had this similar issue. I just know what my God is capable of. And so, when I got out of the hospital, I was discharged. Um, a little over four weeks later, three and a half weeks, I spent ICU and a week and set in I was discharged with a walker. And I refused to use a walker. Needless to say, I fell quite a bit in the hospital. And I had therapists coming to my home every day, physical therapy, occupational therapy, speech therapy, because I couldn't even talk as well. My face was shifted. I mean, it was just a big difference. But, even though the doctor said you'll need to lose weight, you'll need to bring your blood pressure down, I still didn't make changes. It wasn't until a few years after having those strokes and going through everything that I had gone through that I see my young, my daughter, Kashara, my oldest girl, who was overweight, who was being bullied in school, who had very low self-esteem, had this dark mark on the back of her neck. And I thought in my mind, this is diabetes. Because that's all I know about diabetes is this dark mark, right? I take it to the doctor, they do all these tests. She has an astronomically high cholesterol. The doctors are telling me, you gotta go to the CHKD cardiology right now. Because this is, she can have a show by the future. She can have a heart attack. Her cholesterol is way too high. We get to the CHKD, they want to put her on set medications. And back then there was no Facebook, you know, there's no social media, but there was Google. And so I'm Googling the names of the medications and the side effects were horrific. You could become infertile, you would have hair loss, your skin would have issues. I mean, it was like from A to Z issues. And I said, I can't do this to my baby. What's the alternative? And the cardiologist said there aren't any. Well, there's diet and exercise, but most people never go that route. Okay, well, we're going to go that route. So he leaves out of the office and comes back with a second cardiologist. At the time, my husband is looking at me like, can you just go with the flow? You know, my daughter's crying. She doesn't know what's going on. I'm upset. So they come back now. Now, can y'all imagine? I'm a military veteran. Sean, I don't have any degrees. Where's the okay. Where's the I don't have no degrees. Go head to head, toe to toe with these cardiologists. However, this is my daughter. We're not giving her that medication. And so I refuse. We go back to her pediatric doctor who gave us a referral for 
Healthy You is where I learned how to change our eating habits as a family, not just putting my daughter on a diet as if my daughter was the problem. Because it is a collective issue within our family that we all eat the same way we all eat. You know, they can only eat the way I cook. And cooking can only take place based on the food that I'm buying. So it was a learning process. So unlearn the things that I had learned as a child growing up. You know, things that my family looked at me as if, you know, and whenever there's a change in resistance, and I can remember my family saying, well, what's so wrong about macaroni and cheese? And what's so bad about fried chicken? How else did you cook chicken? You know, it was these barriers that as a mom, I had to make a decision. I'm going to continue to send my children to visit grandparents if they're going to continue poisoning my children in this manner. Or am I going to put my foot down and say, unless you conform to the changes that we're making in our household, my kids just can't visit So it was tough decisions like that and getting the buy-in of our family that we are going to live that has gotten us to this point. And I think a lot of the misconceptions, especially in our community, is that, oh, my dad had diabetes, my granddaddy had diabetes, my grandmother had heart issues, that I'm going to have heart issues. And the fact of the matter is, it's a lifestyle issue. Yes. If you eat the same things that your grandparents ate, that your great-grandparents ate, if you do the same jobs that they do, you're going to be exposed to the same thing that they were exposed to, making their same illnesses your illnesses well. So, Tamika has a company. Um, you can follow her on Facebook. Award-winning producer Raheem Shabazz continues the Elementary Genocide documentary series with the School to Prison Pipeline. That film exposes the social engineering done to African-American children in the school system. And his other film, Elementary Genocide 2, The Board of Education versus the Board of Incarceration, takes an even deeper look at the history of the American school system and how it was made to justify subjugating black Americans. These films are on track to be the most discussed films in black America. These films feature people like Dr. Boyce Watkins, Dr. Francis Chris Welsing, and many, many more. The documentary is available right now at elementarygenocide.com. That's elementarygenocide.com.